more the concept. Thank you for asking, Kristen. It was more uh, just the concept came to me in a hot flash. <laughs> in a hot flash of inspiration, I said, I think Andrew was like, we have to, or no, because we, it was a recovery from that shitty pod with Jay. And then Andrew was like, we got to come up with a better idea. And then I was like, books. What was the shitty pod with Jay? Oh, uh, we had a, it was just had, like it was called us. the Nya pod. It was a comedic Nya. trio. It was a comedic trio, um, mainly me and Jay as a comedy. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, it just turned into Jay kind of like um, spewing vitriolic sh- shit. I mean, really just repeating stuff that he had seen on uh, Million Dollar Extreme or something that Sam Hyde had said. Something like there was that. basically like no entertainment value if you weren't us, I think. Yeah, which okay. is probably what's going on here as well. But I think people can listen to this and... True. People can listen to this and um, they can just learn about a book as well. That sounds interesting, perhaps. That's actually a good point. I've gotten zero compliments from people that don't know me. So Wait, what? Gotta say, I haven't listened to an episode, so I'm coming into this blind. Shit. Are you recording, Holy Thomas, shit. on your end? I just found, wait, I just found this insane art. Wait, can you, can you just... It's Dionysus. Andrew, look at this art. It's Dionysus. Oh, we could totally use the art from the book i just got but uh whoa thomas can you just you gotta check for me though um <laughs> the levels forget i'm I'm, try, I'm just trying to think what i thought was the problem your levels are okay right you're now. recording this okay. though right yeah, okay, I've so, been recording so for the gotta, past all right six minutes oh, so welcome to Brooks brothers guys this is episode Eight. We're about two years into this thing, and we have eight episodes because it's really hard to <laughs> for real <laughs> to do this. Yeah, You're doing good to like book, not book, um, just to uh, read the books. It is hard to book sometimes. It's huh? more of an excuse though than you know. We could have been better. So this was like a pandemic baby when everyone started doing books. Not really book clubs. You had books brothers. This started when. Um, I don't know when I was in Ohio and like, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure the like um, moment of impact was the origin story. Oh, it was it was it was post recovery from the bad podcast, and then you were like, "We got to come up with a podcast." And then I was like, "Books," and then you're like, "That's a horrible idea." And I was like, "No, hear me out." Possibilities was, are endless. Well, I was drinking at the time. Yeah, the possibilities are endless, but I do not remember conceiving of this shit have you guys only done serious books like the birth of tragedies like you know not the most exciting uh it's pretty funny i I think it's fun i mean all the books i think we do are pretty like joe rogan they're like fun in that way but i mean the john we did a one on this guitar player named john fahey that was really funny um like moderately oh, yeah. funny. It's kind of dark, but that's actually our most listened that is to like, pod. That's a fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So this is number eight. Um, we've done a lot of classics. Uh, it's another guy. We don't have any, still no women, <laughs> no women authors, just uh, incels and um, <laughs> perverts, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So how do we come into this book? I came into it because Kristen showed it to me, and that's why you're the guest today. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, and this is when we were talking stuff. about my... Wait, sorry, what? Life-changing stuff. Yeah, I would say so. Um, 
uh, was certainly changed my. I was telling them about uh, my uh, script, and they were like, "I think it was Kristen and Rory were like, hey, we got this book. This sounds oh, a lot I like know. that.' I think I think I was reading it again at the time because I was in this class called Sad Planets, mm-hmm. um, that was taught by this philosopher Eugene Thacker, who's like the modern philosopher of like dark philosophy. Wait, it's on an echo. I can hear myself. Huh? Okay, whatever. Oh, no. Um, So I was reading Nisha for some paper and it was, you know, obviously talking about Apollo like every other page, mm-hmm. which I recently met Andy and learned he was obsessed with Apollo. So I was like, also everything about the lyricism, like his takes on poetry and folk song and everything i was like this is totally up your alley so and he took it and then he ruined it pretty quickly um (laughs) it's without a cover it's pretty naked and destroyed but add some character yeah it definitely looks (laughs) like the one we're looking at right now looks like a piece of shit um yeah the cover was torn off just because it took me a while to read stuff to read that and things in general and it was in my bag and it was getting tossed around. And I kept like a, I still have a little chip of it in my bag or like in my room somewhere. Um, if you do want that back, it's got, Kristen had a lot of um, like, uh, what are these called? Annotations. Annotations and like the little guys sticking out the side. It kind of looks like a student's books, which it, I guess it is because <laughs> you got it in a dark philosophy class. That was a dumb way to describe <laughs> him i guess i mean yeah the class is called sad planets so that's kind of i don't know an indicator there of how bleak the topics were but it was about like the anthropocene pretty much and i mean thacker he wrote in the dust of this planet um that's about the horror of philosophy in the modern age uh... it's all roots in pessimism and he's obsessed with hg lovecraft who i haven't read and i mean Nietzsche came into play. We read um, Baudelaire, too, which I thought was really cool. It was a really interesting mix of things. Like, there was Japanese horror folk tales in there, and kind of all came down to looking at the human condition, I guess. When things come to an end, like, what what is our, I don't know, desire to live on, I guess? What is our deal? What's, yeah... Guys, wait, we are humans. Like we can we can figure this out together. What is there to figure out though? Is the question. That's I don't know. that's yeah, the that's, horror. Guess, maybe there is no problems. Maybe we're Maybe okay. we're the problem. Maybe we just forget about this. Hence the Anthropocene. <laughs> oh, yeah, what is that? That's what I meant to ask you. What does Anthropocene mean? It's it's the geological age after what was the period before? I'm I'm forgetting, but it's basically just to say um, the progress of human civilization has drove us to this point where we have now conquered nature and past that we have now, we're, we're the sole source of like the degradation of the natural world. Like everything is going to become oh, like obsolete. We're at the top of the food chain. Yeah. We're just destructive pieces of shit and we're fucking it up yeah 
it's not looking good from so here. What does this have to do with? That's the dark philosophy this stuff. Because, sort of yeah. like well, shit. we we discussed. We actually read. That's the one where we read like five different huge sci-fi novels and i mean when you look at sci-fi and like a lot of them take place in a world where i mean the anthropocene and everything that comes after it like how do we survive past you know like our planet's prime where like do we terraform another planet do we go off in a spaceship to mars like all things that these billionaire douchebags are toying around with instead of saving the earth they're they're trying to go beyond the earth but i don't know and those folks i guess like one of them i mean it was it was a film actually that we watched in class that's based off this huge epic like swedish poem called oh my god what's it called i'm forgetting I've told you to watch this movie several times. Big Swedish poem. But um, this AI like controls the ship and it holds all the human memories from Earth. So the first scene in the movie, it, humans are getting launched into this spaceship that's supposed to go to Mars, and eventually they get veered off course, and so they're in an endless drift, and the only memories they have of Earth are through this. AI device Mima and she eventually kills herself because of all the sadness, the human sadness inside the ship. It basically turns into like this hedonistic, like weird culty, like fuck den <laughs> where they're all like doing drugs and like doing these like raves and like just completely beyond hope and in this hedonistic despair. So it's kind of just like, yeah, what, what happens when you have absolutely nothing left to hope for? Well, it's like the futurist thing is like where there's something we can do to our brains and our bodies to elevate our existence when it not only nothing really works to do that, but it also makes everything worse. I was thinking about that with like Banshees of Insurance or something which is set in like the 1920s mm. and it's about as simple as like human existence can get. Um, but that's like as far as uh, civilization, you know, as, you know, not medical technology aside, like that's as far as we can get with like being happy. You know, there isn't, I don't like, there isn't some great beyond that we can travel to with our technology. Like we've always had it. Um, from the get-go, uh, which is kind of sad. Well, I guess Nietzsche would say it was the Greeks had it, right? Yeah. The early Greeks. Yeah, I mean, that's like the first part of the book, right, is like if we want to start jumping in on that. Jump um, in. What? I feel like we should you know, turn in. the wheel a little bit, right, guys? The Greek uh, cheerfulness is what he talks about, where I think if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, like all their art and all their statues and, and everything is – evocative of of like this deep uh societal like shared joy this like cophony of like inspiration and energy and happiness um yeah i think nietzsche would just say it's a fullness it's not like just like pure pleasure play which was like the end the, the 
the death of the Greeks is when they were like actually the most optimistic. He says when they were the most pessimistic in their art and philosophy, they were the most full. And by that is he's saying that's a good thing to be full, but okay. Well, but they weren't just like cheery little, you know, jerk, jerk boys. They were like, um, you know, they were in tune thought, with it, man. I thought he was saying too, like when they lost their Dionysian, like joy and splendor, mm-hmm. like they lost their peak, like what made them great. They got too up in their own heads. Yeah, yeah. too heady. Well, let's like, let's like, <laughs> philosophize yeah. themselves too much. Let's introduce the book first. So it's. The one we have is called The Birth of Tragedy in the Case of Wagner, which I don't think you have, Thomas. Tommy? Um, yeah, mine's called The Birth of Tragedy. Yeah, ours has um, like... It does have attempt at self-criticism. Does yours have yes, that? Yes, I was going to say what's most hilarious about this book is that the first intro is just scratch that. I was young and stupid when I wrote this. This is a piece of garbage, and I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. at what I wrote. Yeah, he wrote it like a decade, I think over a decade after... The book came out. He gave it like this, um, yeah, like basically fuck this shit kind of intro. And I no, no, just no. noticed before we started no, that he's no, no. quoting the spoke Zarathustra at the end of his attempt at self-criticism. So I guess that is a good quote. Is that his second book? Because this is his first book, which is I think the gay science is like. Well, no, it's it's this, and then it's a bunch of meditations, which are like a four-part series, and then it's human all to human, and then it's gay science, and then it's thus spoke Zarathustra, and then, the and then beyond good and evil of morals, beyond good and evil, then genealogy, then it gets to like the, you know, the dark period. Yeah, so this is like the first thing of his kind of like it's like a first kind of sizable work of his life, and it's talking yeah, about. I mean, book. this is about like we. Like, let's just try to get into the initial concepts of the book and then we can discuss them. So it's like, um, first thing is, it's about music, I think, right? Like, pretty much, primarily. Not just music, but like all art, but he uses music as the main, I think, metaphor Mm and saying, you know, he's like comparing like pictorial art as this like 2D, you know, like rendering of the real world and like, poets like lyricists that's like the two-dimensional version of melody which is like this universal all-encompassing thing that's a primordial essence or something that's just innate that we like draw from so like the painting is is like the essence of our vision and melody is sort of the essence of our feelings like it captured in an illusion which is yeah painting is the illusion of the of our vision uh, yeah. And it's and interesting feeling. too because melody has a goal, but you can't like you can look at a painting and just be like that was the goal is that, but like a melody has a goal but its purpose is not the goal. Yeah. You can only just experience it in the present. You have to experience it yeah, like it's life. It's a momentous thing. A painting sort of not like life. Yeah. Well, he critiques a lot of people's or I guess artists intention behind their work. And I think that's where he starts talking about the folk song. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's like the intention behind the folk song is to connect with melody more than lyric. Or I don't know if that's what he was saying. I think Maybe the reverse. I'm, the, the to the connect reverse? with 
Yeah, to do it's more like lyrics, and it the melody doesn't really matter so much. It's more like, oh, I I broke up with this girl at a cafe, and she threw the coffee in my face, and blah blah blah. Like it's not more, it's not about the melody. Well, yeah, when I think about like folk songs, story. I guess that makes sense. Well, no, I mean, look, this is getting into the main thing of the book, which is like the separation of these things we're talking about, which is sort of like the brain and the body, essentially. If you guys want to explain it better. Well, the main thing is the well, Apollonian. I, I have a quote if we want to like. Oh, I have a quote too. Like overview. <laughs> the Apollonian. Oh. So Apollonian and the Dionysian is the main thing that. I have the juiciest quote. I think it's honestly my favorite quote <laughs> of the whole book. Okay. Shoot it. Also, I want to say something. That should before. be an official Books Brothers thing where when someone has a quote, we go. Shoot it. Okay. Shoot it. Shoot it. <laughs> I want to say something before I get into this quote. He, I think, Kristen, you're 28, right? 29. Yeah. Some twenty did some background. <laughs> I'm twenty-eight. <laughs> Nietzsche was twenty-eight when he wrote this book. I think we are no better suited to be critiquing this book than right now. That lays okay. the pressure on. Okay. Very loose. Okay. Because if you know, if 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 this is all hollow blue and the only thing about life that's consistent is sort of where you are in this spoke journey, we're right where he was when he in the his attitude. Yeah, I mean, he's he was right. it's kind of like a, it's a come down, sort of a come down from youth, and you're starting to like intellectualize yeah, all this fun. Yeah, exactly. You've had. Exactly. True. Um, so this is a quote, page seventeen. Um, I don't know how I should read this. Look at the words and spake them into the air. Just regular. Okay. Spake, so this is a Tommy. way to think of the Dionysus. So like a poetical way to think about it. The chariot of Dionysus is a piled high with flowers and garlands. Under its yoke stride tigers and panthers. If we were to turn Beethoven's Hymn of Joy into a painting and to not restrain the imagination, even as the multitudes bowed awestruck into the dust, this would bring us close to the Dionysaic. Now the slave is a free man. Now all the rigid and hostile boundaries that distress, despotism, or impudent fashion have erected between man and man break down. Now with the gospel of world harmony, each man feels himself not only united, reconciled and at one with his neighbor, but one with him, as if the veil of Maya had been rent and now hung in rags before the mysterious primal oneness. Yeah. That, <sighs> oh and I feel like a huge thing is, you know, he's critiquing the individuality that arises from modernism. Like we've lost the sense of universal connectivity and unity. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I, when I think of Nietzsche's like, theory is he's, he's kind of an individualist. Like he's always striving to like, like, like he, and well, I guess it's hard because in this book, he's a little bit different than he is in the rest of his canon. But, um, like the rest of his canon is like, be the Ubermensch, like stand out from the crowd and like find out, just follow your feelings essentially. So what, like can, as far as like a, a, a clerical organizational thing, like what was the point of, of saying that quote? <laughs> oh, so yeah, sorry, we got off track. So that's the Dionysaic, which is what this book just is give about. A, give it like a layman's explanation of that quote because you know <laughs> I don't listen when you say quotes. Okay. Wait, you didn't listen? It was a pretty full Indeed. quote. I tried my best, but it was a ju it was so juicy. It's like you can't say it better than that. That's a but anyway, thing about it, him. He is so like visual and yeah, like, no. he's so poetic. The style yeah. is so overwhelming, it's, so it's hard to like not just be in awe of it and kind of like a lot of zone metaphors. Out. 
Yeah, so just explain it. He's the best. Excuse me. He's the best teacher. He's the best teacher Wait, because he uses just visuals. Just explain it again. Just explain what you said. You didn't explain what you said. You guys just started discussing other shit. Actually, the best way I can think of it is there's a uh, an Indian spiritual story about it from <laughs> you know, 500 BC, That's a podcast 700 BC thing. Um, you know, there's an Indian spiritual story about this. Shut the fuck up. Listen up. So there's the the world we live in, <laughs> the world that we exist in and live in and come from and will die in, hate to break it to you, is a big ocean. It's a huge ocean. It's mysterious. We have no ability to sort of, you know, surf. put that in our pocket. Surf. We have no ability to surf. The, the human illusion Leak. is that we are on a boat in this vast, rocky, you know, ocean. And we're sitting on a boat. And so you're trying to simplify this really long quote with like an even longer story. No, no, no. So, so the Dionysiac <laughs> is the fucking ocean. And the human illusion is that we're on this boat. That we're separate on it, from it. But we're, we are the ocean. That we're separate from it. We are the ocean. We are just, I mean, that's a, it's not a perfect metaphor. I could make a better yeah, story than do that. that but yeah. we, are we are the, the ocean. ocean. We can't hear each we other. Are the world. So yeah. like, can't, we can't really harmonize right now. Um, um, so that's the Dianzaic, and then the Apollyon is the illusion of man. Clearly singing over time. Uh, All right. The Apollyon is the paddle for the boat. Is the paddle? Thank you. <laughs> is it? I don't know. It's the locomotion. No, no, much. I don't know. It, the Apollyon, the Apollonian. I think of it. Oh, yeah, wait, it's the actually, I wrote it down. I gotta reread this. Oh wait, book. I wrote it down. The Dianzaic is the wind in Apollo's sails. Did he? Is, is that a direct quote from Nietzsche? Really? That's my. That's my. Oh, that's quote. your wow. That's oh, I don't agree. That's with That's quotable. Because the Dionysiac fuels Apollo to create the world redeeming illusion, and without Dionysiac, obviously there's no energy. So, like, it's that primal oneness energy that the you know Apollo man sits on a rock and meditates, refines the inspiration, and then goes out. And creates a sort of world redeeming no, that's, illusion. That's good because like the the Apollyon is like the you know thought like mechanism, the human. like structure of like human thought, intellect, greatness, and then the yeah. net Dionysian, the wind and the sails is like the essence of like the life blood. It's the of rational. How and his, it I'm works. reading his next book right now and Nietzsche says anything rational is an error. But not that that's a bad thing. He talks a lot about like truth and rationality and illusion too. And I mean, I think there was like all these, I don't know what the essays are called, but the genealogy of morality. There's a really, morals, yeah. Yeah, there's a really good quote about truth. That's like one of my favorite Nietzsche quotes. Something like, truth are illusions, um, which are like embossments on a coin like the truth is the embossment of a coin that makes you think of it as a coin as a different object with a different value ah, um, and it becomes yeah, it this it illusion but the real like truth behind that illusion is that it's a piece of metal mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's like life is art to him kind of but okay I feel like we're, <laughs> so you were trying to Killed explain it. that quote, and then you just we just got into explaining 
Well, that's the thing we're about still explaining we're the quote, dealing right? in deep waters here, and we're gonna slippery slope away into some lost avenue. The whole quicker than you know. The whole thing is a about, squirrel. You know. I don't know. The whole book goes into the tension between those two forces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the the Dionysian, as a, like you said, fuels puts the winds in the sails, but we need the Dionysian stuff. Do we want to list what that kind of shit is? Like simplify. Like we need. I was gonna say before we say that, we need the Dionysian to renew the Apollonian, which eventually, like, I feel like is the Ouroboros. Well, it's more like the. I think the equation is you need the Dionysian for anything because it's just energy. It's the most primal energy. So the Dionysian fuels the Apollonian, but. The Apollonian will essentially kill themselves yeah. if not for the hero to sort of redeem uh, the story and to sort of get them honestly back in touch with the Dionysaic comedy and the tragedy. Um, it just becomes this sort of like DNA, like um, spiral type, like snake thing where it's like this reflects that, reflects that. And then it's this ping pong game and it keeps the ball moving as opposed to not moving. Should yeah. I read my quote? That's how I look at yeah, it. Yeah, let's read Crow's quote. Yeah, read your quote. This is the first Shoot one it. I underlined. The poems of Shoot the lyrist can express nothing that did not already lie hidden in the vast universality of and absoluteness in the music that compelled him to figurative, figurative speech. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like the quote when someone asks someone, like, maybe it was Dylan, but... Um, uh, <laughs> oh, I could go on. Wait, wait, wait. This, okay. Well, it's like. Wait, wait. Can you explain it to me, Kristen? I don't. Wait, think I, I got it. I got it. I'm trying to say it. I suck at listening. No, like when to someone work. asks you to explain a poem, you just say, "Well, everything I can say about it is in the poem." Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's saying, right? It's interesting how much. Yeah, Nietzsche is such a. He's an art. Like I think it's because he listened. There's this Tristan and Parafold, like a Wagner piece of music that apparently like inspired him to write this and inspired him for the rest of his life. He was like always chasing that butterfly. But uh, well, what I think this is also saying uh, is the, the poems already existed. They already, he's saying they're already hidden in the vast universality and absoluteness in the music that compelled him to figurative mm. speech. So it's like, Oh, the, okay. the poems yeah. are music contains all the beauty. Yeah, the music contains the feeling, and it's mm. almost like diluted by putting it into words. It's like I don't know, putting feelings and that truth into words is. Yeah, I mean that that is a very common opinion. Actually, that's probably entered the zeitgeist. Like most people, I think agree that music is the purest expression of art, right? The vibration. Yeah, we've talked thing. about that yeah. a lot. Like, I feel like everyone feels that way. Like, you know, it's visceral, you know, visceral. It's, and it's just the, yeah, it's the purest. Everyone always says that it's the purest. Well, everything is. And that's why like actors try to make albums and stuff. Cause they, they feel like the acting wasn't enough. All right. Kristen has something. Well, he goes on in this quote to say, because music stands in symbolic relation to the primordial contradiction and primordial pain in the heart of the primal unity and therefore symbolizes a sphere which is beyond and prior to all phenomena. 
that really captures it for me. Yeah, everything is aspiring mm. to music, right? And he talks about that with uh, lyricism and poetry is just trying to be musical, I guess, eventually. Like, he talks about authorship too with that. Like, I mean, that whole quote is talking about authorship a lot. It's that these things are beyond us. Like our human creativity is something of like a higher not being, but like a higher essence than what our thought in this like body in this field and form well, yeah. allows us. Me and, uh, well, Thomas, mm. you brought up the new Cormac McCarthy article, but I just talked to my friend James, shouts out, to uh, about that article as well. And he sort of, you talked about how language is like a newer thing and the subconscious we're, we think is, or he says in this article is a much more ancient thing, which doesn't really contend well with language. And we actually, yeah. and this, this subconscious actually, since it's before language, it feeds us in symbols. It feeds us symbols. So like we're fed images and dreams, we're fed feelings and ideas. But, um, and I think when, when art is good, it's just like, someone has mined their subconscious or accessed their subconscious in the, like in the way that mimic, you kind of like imitate, you're your imitating subconscious. Like, subconscious. I think the sub like you, there's nothing, get nothing's yeah. getting in the way of it. And, uh, that's, you know, in a, you're essentially accessing the natural world almost when you do I that. I think of it like projection, like your subconscious is interested in things that it observes and goes, Hey, that's kind of like me. And it'll like, it could see, you know, like a lightning strike and be like, oh, that's kind of like these things that happen in here. So it just sort of like, and then it, with music, it it hears the music and it goes like, oh, that's kind of like the stirrings of me or something like that. So it's always like a projection of sort of seeing something that you can uh, you almost use as a metaphor for yourself, mm -hmm. subconscious. Yeah. And Nietzsche would say truths are metaphors. Nietzsche yeah, said that? Yeah, he would say there is no. There, That's uh, part truths of are just sort of like errors, quote. illusions. What? That's part of that coin embossment quote oh, about okay. truth. He first says truths are It's honestly, metaphors. I think I just thought of it. It's kind of like truth is the carrot and we are the donkey. Oh, I have it here. Shit. I don't know if I okay. want to throw another quote in here because that's annoying. Oh, yeah, just throw it in, shoot it. What then is truth? A movable host of metaphors. Meta I don't even know this fucking word. Metempsychosis? Metonymies? And anthropomorphisms. In short, a sum of human relations, which have been poetically mm. and rhetorically intensified, transferred, embellished, in which, after long usage, seem to people to be fixed, canonical, and binding. Truths are illusions, which we have forgotten are illusions. They are metaphors that have become worn out and have been drained of sensuous force. Coins which have lost their embossing and are now considered as metal and no longer as coins. So I said that wrong the first time, but... Oh. Uh, what is that called? It made sense the first time, um, too. That's weird. When something uh, loses its meaning... Fucking James said this to me. Simulacrum. Uh, Simulacrum? Simulacrum. Simulacrum? Isn't that a simulation? Simulacrum. It's yeah. Like, That's like the Latin root for that or something, right? 
Uh, it's like yeah. when um, it just means like two things coming together in a simulation or no. something. It means like when an object <laughs> uh, becomes so ins- it, it, like it's sort of like when Kleenex Tim. is so associated with tissues that people just say, "Let me have a Kleenex instead of a tissue." That's can I read the definition, similar. bitch? Yep. It is a unsatisfactory imitation or substitute, an image or representation of something or someone. Yeah, so is yeah. that what you're saying? With that? Or no, yeah, that saying? totally fits in. And the Kleenex right. thing, that's like just another modern example of how branding and like mm. that we associate with the real thing. Mm. Yeah, the real thing is always just us. And then we're always just like, Finding things that are the closest to it, represent it, inspire us, or yeah, just sort of like us. I, I guess he he says anthropomorphize, which is perfect because it's like you're just putting the human in music. You're putting the human in sunlight and shadows and blah blah blah. Well, yeah, we have such a god kinda- god complex. Like we make everything in our image, or at least relate to the human world. As opposed to what? Well, I think it, we're just As opposed we're, we're to stupid. So it's like, what else are we gonna do? Why, you know? Like, for example, like there's ginkgo trees on like every street in New York, but they're not native to our land. But they were brought here. I don't know, like ten thousand years. I don't know how long ago, but they're like an alien to this part of the world. But we think of it as a natural thing because it is a natural organism, Mm -hmm. but like humans are the ones that made that natural phenomena like happen. They like had a stake in it. Like we play God even in nature, but like we can't separate. It's like, as opposed to who else is going to do that? Like we are the only ones that can do that. Well, yeah, we we are. You could say we are because of our consciousness. God. yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys Jim think Carrey God is? is? Let's nice. get into that. It. <laughs> we, are, we are God. Noted. We and just I am God. Bumped, let's, so. let's get into that, guys. What is God? Now, let's try to get more organized. Um, <laughs> I know. Wait. So we need we're to like. Just, we're just going off like these tangentials, the book, right? Yeah. It's lost in space. But here. that's what he does to you um, in this. Like, well, let's see. I know. Yeah. He makes you go insane. Well, let's talk about like this. Let's just get some. Wait, nice I have something great to anecdote. say. Can I talk? Okay. Well, I just want to say. Um, so, all right. Fuck it. Go off, Andy. Shoot it. Fuck it. Well, that's up for quotes. So we just, Fuck. audience, we just summarized the, hopefully the Apollonian and the Dianzaic, which is what this book is about. <laughs> I came to this book. We did not. Um, we did not define it at all. We just discussed. I thought, well, we'll let the audience decide that. We'll say Apollonian the mind. It's the illusion. It's the human island up. individualism. And Dionysian is the collective. Oh. It's the chorus. It's like. Everyone. Apollo is the statue, the Dionysaic is the humming, you know, whatever. Any fucking sense. Go. The, I, came, I came to this <laughs> because there's a YouTube, I've watched nearly all Iggy Pop YouTube interviews, and there's a YouTube interview from the 70s, some seven, or maybe late 70s, early 80s, and Iggy Pop's like on cocaine, and he's like shirt off, in the like square looking reporter guy's like, Iggy, what's the deal with all this? And and he's just asking him questions like, what is this music? It's so crazy and angry, man. What's going on? And Iggy Pop in being like, he's kind of a knucklehead. And he's like high on cocaine and he's famous and like, oh my God, the juices are flowing. 
he sits there and he's like looking at this guy and he's like, oh, I bet he hasn't read Nietzsche. And so he says to like sort of like make him to like put him beneath himself like Iggy. He's like, you know, man, it's just the Dianzic and Apollonian. Pretty good. He says that on on the interview. And I was like, yeah, what the hell is that? So I Google it, I you know, and then I go down a rabbit hole reading Nietzsche, read the book, blah, blah, blah. Come to realize Iggy Pop's a fucking idiot and completely used it incorrectly. Fuck him. He sucks. (laughs) Damn him. So anyway, he uses it, which is a common, this is to wrap it around, the common misconception about what this book is about, which is, I think, still common. People use id and ego when they're talking about art and stuff. They're like, this is like an id thing. This is like an ego thing. Uh, The common misconception is that Apollonian and Dionysiac is kind of a perfectly transposable to um, id id and ego. And I think it's wrong. I think the purpose, the perfect thing you could maybe transpose it onto, if you want to be that simple for no reason, is feminine and masculine. I'd say you could transpose it maybe onto that historical duality. Mm. Um, yeah. What do you guys think of that? Um, yeah, I mean, like as far as you saying, masculine's the Dionysian. Masculine would be the Apollonian. Really. Yeah, because masculine, in terms of its history, has always been like sunlight, rational, sort of like uh, predictable almost. And then the feminine is is nighttime, is the moon, is that unpredictable primal source well, let's ask a of everything. Fem. Well, yeah, let's ask I mean, fem. how it's been well, characterized. Well, each of us is feminine, oh, feminine and masculine. Fuck up. Uh, but let's get a true femme. Let's get a true femme. I don't know. Opinion. Am I a true femme? What defines me as a true femme? It's a girl, all right? Go. Well, I'll ask you this, Kristen. I when you look to at the moon, moon, do you feel anything I cry. sort of deep in your spirit? Um, yeah. My menstrual cycle is often synced with the full moon. So if that is any indicator. Yes. Seriously? Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if I can actually like but I mean like, yeah, that's that's dope. Historically how it's characterized. I guess with the feminine, well, it's, and the it's a perfect, it was primal man, uh, perfectly feeling in the dark. They got it bang on because <laughs> the women's bang guys, on. hear perfect, me out. Perfect. Like, feeling in no, the it's dark. just, it's, it's amazing because bang on. there's, you know, they don't have, they don't have medical science. They don't have any of this. And they're just, they're merely like artists. What are you and they're talking figure, about? They basically Cavemen perfect. in the moon. What do you mean? No, no, I'm saying, so here Let's it talk is. Talk about our menstrual is, cycle. Bitch. Here it is, bitch. The moon operates on a third, which is why we have 30 day calendar, all that shit. The moon operates on a 30 day cycle of full to crescent, blah, 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 blah. The, a woman's hormone cycle is 30 days. A man's that true, hormone cycle, 20, 24 20 hours. Is it true? Yeah. Okay. No, he. And a man's a hormonal cycle is 24 hours. What does that what sound do, like? Wait, That's what why do we do? Fucking sun. That's what happens why with us? Divorce is rampant. What happens with us? Uh, that just means our our testosterone levels go through their cycle in a twenty four hour. Time well, yeah, duh. The sun is our daddy. It's like why our <laughs> eyes are circles. Well, I'm just saying that's that's why, that's why we have these metaphors. That's the why the, to the Apollonian and the Dionysian to the feminine. Oh, okay. Totally yeah. lost it there. Um, oh, you lost it. That's kind of. Okay, I mean. But anyway, I don't know. We're getting to like a sort gender of an thing. Here. Like, I just want to like clear up that. Huh? Sorry, what? We're getting into a lot of symbolism. Sorry, what? Yeah, this is getting too heavy off. Yeah, yeah. This I don't isn't want, even I don't discussed take us off in the track. book. I just, 
I really oh, didn't. Sorry, sorry. I just didn't want to take us off track. I just wanted to clear up because I think it is a common misconception that Apollonian and Dionysiac is it an ego. I just wanted to clear that up. It's not. It's not really useful to do that. I don't know what, he, what that means. Maybe but. we could steer this another direction. Andy, what would you define as the birth of tragedy, as he describes? Ooh, wow! Like what? Tested. What is the birth of tragedy? Do we have an answer? That is like the home run. Can we find like, out. Good luck, Andy. What is the birth of tragedy? Well, doesn't he say comedy and tragedy, or am I getting this confused with um, Thousand Faces? You are. You are. Oh, okay. Well, it's kind of like the eternal renewal, right? Is the birth of tragedy the eternal renewal of what? the sort of like the beauty of nature and sex and music and then the very the very ugly but human aspect which comes into play and undermines that and sh- and shifts that thing in a good direction even though it's sort of pretty much just bad you know it's the consciousness coming in um, with its uh, meet with its like um, schemes and everything, kind of ruining it, but also enhancing it and uh, changing it. Pretty good. Let's rate that on a scale of ten. Give it a seven. Kristen, solid uh, seven. Seven. Okay. So we we'll, we do our I rating. Light, Kristen, I gotta tell you, five. We do our rating system. We're gonna actually eventually rate this book. We're gonna give it a review. Out of a thousand percent. Um, oh wow! And we're gonna we're gonna rate takes out of ten though. So that was a seven out of ten. Yeah, Kristen t- uh, rating Tommy. I'm kind of zoning five. out. Light five. Yeah, say I was. To be too. honest, that's maybe my fault. Yeah, I was zoning out. I was zoning out as well. I kept just thinking <laughs> the birth of tragedy is just being I, born. I can put Everyone it was similar. trying to formulate their own opinion while they were like trying to listen. I think on. the thing about this, guys. The thing about this. When waters are this deep, you have to speak in one sentence or less or else I think it's going to fall apart. Okay, well, let me try again. Birth of Tragedy is, um, I think it's just consciousness. It's All right. And <laughs> because if we didn't have consciousness, we'd just be enjoying everything and we wouldn't, under- oh, we wouldn't understand anything. I, that's interesting because one day, I don't know, like four years ago, it just popped in my head. I was like, con- it, consciousness is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And I think he's also saying like art exists because the tragedy of life is inherent in our knowledge of our life and death. Yeah. 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 Because we, yeah, we're the only animals theoretically that know we're going to die. Are we the only animals that make art? I mean, like, we're the ones that are defining it, but... I think people would argue about it, but to me, yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like when people talk about mortality, it's kind of like, as opposed to what? Everything is impermanent. Like, nothing is, you know? Like, what are you comparing this to? It's only just the knowledge of mortality, not the... Yeah. Well, that could be the tragedy, is that we're the only ones aware of ourselves, but we are impermanent. I mean, everything is impermanent. That's part well, of the yeah, tragedy I just, too, I yeah. guess. It's well, like that's part of the tragedy too, is knowing mm-hmm. too much and not knowing enough to 
relieve yourself of the great knowing of I always think everything. of it in, it's like it's the garden die. of Eden like Adam and Eve were so happy when they were naked and basically that means like animals to me when they were just like like animals right and then as soon as they bite the apple of knowledge like god damns them oh well, yeah and no it's like life from thenceforth is suffering we're getting into the promethean thing which he talks about like every artist is like a thief or something right he compares prometheus to he's the Dionysus. og artist he's the original artist oh. yeah and he compares that oh the fire guy yeah he stole fire from the gods and gave it to man he's the original artist I forget why. He yeah, because I think fire is like, um, it's usually metaphorized as like thought. Somewhere. Metaphorized. Is that right? Yeah, no, he talks a lot about, um, the chapter nine is the Promethean myth and origins of evil. That's when I felt like I, mm. I was in a coffee shop reading this a while ago. That's when I started to like go, whoa, holy fuck. Oh, shit. Is that like that? It's like, I don't know. I think it's pimp. I, f- I feel like I, might have I should have looked at that again because I even just forgot that was even in the book, honestly. Well, he um, this is something. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just reading from uh, just in that in that vein. I wrote down um, of what tragedy is, or, or at least a tie to music. In in music, it's dissonance, and it's the embodiment of the pleasure of pain. Because like in mm-hmm. dissonance sounds bad, right? It's atonal, but there's something beautiful about it. So that's tragedy, I would say. Yeah. And also this, and with this Promethean answer. myth, he's saying like the best thing that man can acquire from the gods he obtains by crime. And then they're left with those consequences. I mean, that's all just like... Mm. Good and evil, but that dichotomy of good and evil is like the dichotomy between Apollo and Dionysus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because, D- yeah, Nietzsche is the beyond good and evil guy. They're two sides of the <laughs> that's same thing. That's what they said when he walked in the tavern. <laughs> He's like, oh, there's a beyond good and evil guy. Yeah, people must have been so scared of him. Can you imagine, like, the emo status of Nietzsche? Like, because when you don't to hear out his full, like, lengthy arguments, you'd just be like, holy shit, he's condoning violence. He's condoning all evil acts. Well, we're getting into a different book with that. No, I mean, it's pretty much, it, it spans his entire work, is that uh, notion of going beyond morality. He's pretty sexist in genealogy of morality. He says some fucked up things about women how useless yeah they i are. think that's uh, it's it just upsetting. so it's a I tragedy but it's 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 his like that's his psychological um uh particularity because that woman uh louise salmon who like broke his heart and so i think he's just projecting all that anger yeah and i mean it was 1880s germany so <laughs> yeah not that I mean, you he does also have i will say he, he has like a based view of the jews um which i think he was he was thought to be anti-semitic or yeah was used by the nazis as being anti-semitic but his view is kind of like he kind of is praising the jews like the way that their society has operated has made a better person basically 
Yeah, and and it's it's bogus. The, his last like his last book, the last thing he says is like, "There's no worser crime than being anti-Semitic." Is like a quote from his final book. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. get why it was just his sister. It was his sister was like kind of a just like not a morally upstanding person, and she kind of saw the economic opportunity and bastardized his last work, Will of Power, and then sold it um, mm. as some sort of like radical extreme book that she saw the German uh, like populist movement was going to like eat up. And so it, it did make her a bunch of money uh, bastardizing it. So do you have something you want to say? No, no. Okay. Uh, well, it's uh, let's. I mean, what did you guys feel when you read this book? How did it come into your life and uh, its tendrils? What did they do to you? How did it come into our take life? That Start with our guess. I think I got this yes, from my ex. A book sibling. What? I think I acquired it got from, from my ex. ex. You got it from her ex. Okay. Um. As a gift. No, like we just had our books mixed up. No, not not how you got the book. Oh, like, what did it how I acquired it. No, how did no, how did it affect you, like your life? Oh, wait, wait, this is interesting. You got the book by accident. Yeah, well, kind of. Some of my like favorite books have gone by chance, but how did it affect my life? Spooky. I don't know. Like I, when I first read it, like I wasn't really getting into the whole like meaning of it that much like when I started reading again before I gave it to you that's when I was really I don't know comprehending the bigger ideas in it and how it relates to I don't know modern world today and like Mm -hmm. the myths and things we distract ourselves with from our true nature like just I guess the impactful thing is I don't know that the true essence of our nature and life is like kind of has become like this criminal thing, like in the way our society operates and the way like people how it's commodified or bastardized. Yeah, I guess it's just like what what we value is not in modern society I, yeah, I is not is at odds with like what our primordial, you know, like joy and truth is and like the community thing and the universality thing of like where art thrives and like comes from like that source like that I guess was the most impactful thing because I've always thought of it like creative ideas and like when things just like come to you and I don't know what poet wrote that poem about the winds that like drove her back to her house to like write the poem before mm-hmm. it escaped her like it's like this like wind going through you and like he goes so in depth into that with the Dionysian like effect and like I don't know I think it's cool to think about how that transforms in different art forms or I just mm-hmm. never really considered his takes on music and melodies so much but that's such a good metaphor for mm. other forces of art and life. Yeah. Well, it was easy for me. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Oh, sorry. Well, I don't know. It was, it was easy for me to take away things like being a songwriter. And it just got me kind of hyped about melody and like music and the mystery of it. And like, it's kind of a s- deep connection to uh, like, 
our souls basically um it just got me excited to just like sing and like um i mean he talks about the dithyram the chorus and stuff in the greek theater of like oh the dithromb dithyram yeah just the thir- yeah dithromb just the idea of like i mean i've i've still thought about how wonderful it is when people sing together and like we don't really talk about it's very stupid but like we don't talk about how phenomenal that is as a phenom yeah like, wait that's a great point like we just oh my we're God. just like blah, blah, blah. we all do it together we're like <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> we get so excited it's like that is so, i try to get people so to sing and they're like embarrassed like people don't want to do it and i'm like guys this is the best thing there yeah, is like under the sun even when i i mean i don't know about that um cc I, sex I, think but, I can't think of any better no sex sex has its regrets there's well, no regret yeah well i mean like i'll say when i'm at my job and uh it's a clean hit. we're in the fine dining situation and someone brings over the candle with the cake and i'm like i got an opportunity here to sing with a bunch of people at once i'm like happy birthday <laughs> like I that's a, that's that. the most amount of like choral singing that people do Pretty much is saying yeah. happy birthday at this point, um, which is sad. Uh, but I think to tie together yours and Kristen's point, that has has been like a generally spoken about, uh, like trajectory of human society is like we we were patriarchal and we were uh, overly Apollonian, overly masculine, and we've kind of lost sight of this. Uh, Dionysiac feminine yeah thing he talks about that near the end we're in due for balance the greek science stuff like where it became more focused on like uh i think he talks about how uh something about philosophy is or science is the um the coat or the the like blanket on top of the truth or something and philosophy is like talking about the blanket or something like that. I totally fucked that up. Well, Jan would say <laughs> science is just proving magic. Yeah. Ooh, that's cool. There is a really good quote call, about... We should call... Um, uh, we should call Nietzsche Freddy, I think, for the rest of this pod. I disagree with that. Fred. Sucks. Fred. Frederick. I just say Fred. I kind of forget I that just... that's his first name. I think calling him Nietzsche is too masculine. I think we're losing sight of it's a little bit too illusiony. We need to just say Fred. Yeah, let's humanize him. Fred. Dumb him down. Nietzsche is such a, yeah, it's like a really evocative word. Yeah, yeah. Just say Fred. Yeah, I don't know. For as far as it affecting my life, I just became really excited to like write and sing and explore like the power of music and it's like infinitude. And yeah, I mean, it reminded me when I first did acid during um, quarantine where I was just go. like by myself in my room, but I just had this crazy, I was watching this behind this. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the pod, but uh, I was watching these weird behind the scenes videos of like a Jill Sander campaign that was shot by Mario Sorrenti. And it's like this behind the scenes, Whoa. like, uh, documentary sort of thing it's just on youtube it's very like you know like an afterthought kind of thing but sorrenti's like narrating it and i'm like i'm like on acid and he's like you know like 
everything is when you first get in there and you feel the beauty and like you start with the you know the reflexive the more physical things and then you get into like the psychological after you've done that and you go back and you look at what you've done and he's saying he's talking like this and he's saying kind of cool ideas like that and then it's as far as his process goes and it's just like has these beautiful iphone videos from japan of like these models like in jill sander just like on these beautiful like beaches and like dojos and shit and uh that just made me think about the beauty of the godlike force, which is inspiration and how it visits us. Um, and I think I my idea out of the whole trip, like aside from the Sorrenti thing, he didn't say this, like inspiration is like a godlike force. And I guess it's related to what I was saying with like Cormac McCarthy's idea of subconscious. Like it's a godlike force which comes to us and our bodies or maybe just our consciousnesses are the filters which that pure essence passes through. And for someone like Michelangelo, there is a very, that thin, that filter between the pureness of the inspiration and like the like consciousness um, sabotaging it or changing it. His was like a nanometer. Mm. So like he's like, or any, or any great like historic artist, like, um, their filter is very very small like they can access their subconscious or their the pureness of their inspiration as easily as you would recall a memory or like say a word or something you know um yeah yeah i like that it's beautiful yeah so that was the big thing for me i don't know i feel like first acid trip what that was your first acid trip yeah damn i was also alone on my first acid trip Mm-hmm. Just did it by myself. I think it's a better experience. Yeah, it was like a dark. Yeah, it was that, it was that night. I stayed up to like six. Didn't I just like was like looking at those videos? They're actually really fun. This book did the same thing for me. Not like a really strong like feeling of like what I had during acid trip, but it is like does do that mind expanding. Like you feel like the God force in you, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that you feel on acid. Like oh you are the creator of your world like you i don't know are just like connecting with like this bigger force Mm -hmm. you know just like feel feel closer to the truth yeah have you done that toss what acid yeah i've done uh psilocybin not acid but yeah you should definitely check it out next app psilocybin (laughs) everyone's on acid psilocybin is like I don't know. It's more of like a vibe than it is. Like acid's more of like I think it will bring you to intellectual places. And like George Harrison said, you really only need to do it once. Acid's more of a clarity. I have a strange conviction that you don't need drugs. Clarity, Kristen said. Yeah, acid for me is like wiping this windshield of like a dome you have over your consciousness of all the world around you. Mm. Like you, I don't know. I always think so far beyond even the confines of the world and like when i'm on acid i guess i haven't taken it in so long it's almost like is it is it it's just i haven't done crazy it, so is it is it like waking dreams because like no. in the dream world no. we're so open not at psychologically. all i think a waking dream is more like psilocybin 
I've never done, I've never, oh, you know, I never had visuals aside from maybe like the ceiling seeming a little, I mean, I did it at night. And I only, I only say that to mean like the openness, like the level of openness. Cause when you're saying you're taking a, a veil off consciousness, you're opening it up. So it's yeah. like the openness. We're so open in dreams. We're almost stupid. We're so open. I feel way more clouded in my dreams than kind of like this heaviness um, and like unreality that like I, I, I have a lot of lucid dreams where I have I a lot of bad have dreams, the sense that like I'm dreaming. Yeah, I have a lot of more stress bad dreams. Than good. But like psilocybin, like it's more like that kind of awareness you're in is more awareness for me of just like the physical movements of the world, like my breathing, like your Yeah, you feel like a little and slug. And yeah. Oh, and you guys just didn't like get any like philosophical stuff. thoughts? Own slug. I get way more philosophical thoughts on acid. Same, yeah. It like I think I, I think any drug gets you there, honestly. I think you've never it done it, breathing. so how would you be able to say that? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I, like Fuck even you. alcohol can make <laughs> you more philosophical. I think I don't think we need drugs. This is my stance. I think you should try it once. I think it's good to try. Oh no, no, I will try it. I'm not saying I'm not going to try it. I'm just saying this has been a conviction of mine, and I've done. I've dabbled in the little dibbly doos, and I think they're just ways of <laughs> wait, forcing wait, yourself to feel do's? things. Is that like a new candy? Like the, the rattle daddles, you know. I'm talking the sizzlers of life. I felt it's like ways I was just to get you to feel things. A different part, yeah. of what was there. Yeah, like it opened a chamber that existed. Well, that's my point. Is I don't think it's the key. I think the key is your patience, and the drug is sort of like a Mario Kart speed booster, maybe. But well, why you why have there, patience sober? when you cannot waste time? Because there is a certain physical, when you, you don't know, have you, to wait. Uh, That's a good line. Well, no, there's there is there is a there's a virtue to patience. You know, perhaps things would be clearer than they they would have been. Uh, perhaps you're not. You know, there is a there is a uh, you know uh, there is something you're losing by speed boosting. Oh but, no, we've you know, yeah. I mean, who might have judged the virtue? But yeah, I mean, I think I. I, I did a lot of gummy mushroom gummies the past year. I don't think I think it may have made me a little dumber, but that's what I mean. Um, yeah, they may have just been THC. Honestly, I don't know. Like, I did a lot <laughs> actually recently. You didn't know that, but mm-hmm. I was on mushrooms recently. When around you guys, <laughs> Rory, oh, wow. Rory knew, but well, I didn't notice. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're already like a type of person that people say like you're high, Andy. Yeah, I don't you're like not. that. I yeah. mean, I've been on mushrooms in social situations too, where people didn't know and they wouldn't have been able to tell. It just made me more social. Yeah. Well, yeah, you seem pretty it's, co- like calm. You seem collected. Yeah, most people think I'm high, like as a baseline. I don't like that shit. That's I don't like, I feel like, like it it's either. Really rude to I say. I'm like, I feel like you're saying people I said dumb. that about me before I'd even tried like, weed. No, so it's just like it's bogus. Wait, what'd you, you know? say, Chris? I, I always just think people think I'm dumb when they say that, but they just say I'm chill. I'm just like, yeah, that I don't like doesn't that. equate for me. You just say you're calm. You seem like really calm or like tranquil or something. You can, uh, people are always just like, oh. Peaceful. You seem really peaceful. Thanks. I feel He's Ill at more e- panicked. Or at ease. Yeah, at ease. Sergeant. Saintly. <laughs> you have a saintly presence. Wow. Saint That's going to go the books for others. Go. Mother Teresa, right here. Have Saint Kristen. No, I've had customers tell me that they're like, "Your your voice is so soothing. Like I could just listen to you talk mm. for days. Like our daughter's voice sucks. 
she's so annoying. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this slander for your daughter. Like, I feel Jeez. bad for her, even though she's not here right now, but. Does anyone, does it, so do why you does get any other sort of like, voice? where they compliment you and then talk about how their life, their own trait in yeah. their life sucks? Like in the same breath, they just like compliment me and then just hate on their daughter. I think that's hilarious. Or like other, other people. And other, any other way besides the voice? Um, I don't know. None that come to mind. Okay. Or like you see, like, are you an actress? Like, you seem like an actress. We're we're actors too, but like we don't we don't get a lot of work. We're not really doing anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. I okay. I feel I feel bad for you. Like no. No, but I think she should be. Yeah. No. Kristen, you gotta act. I have a doppelganger in The Last of Us. Oh right. But she oh, died right away, so that was a bummer. Is that the girl that you sent the picture to Rory? Um, yeah. A while ago? My, my cousin sent me this picture, and she was like, my husband legit thought this was you. And was like, that has to be Kristen. But this is so uninteresting. It's very <laughs> weird. Yeah. What's, well, let's what's her on. name for our audience? So I, I don't at even least, know. Like, don't this know. is so dumb. <laughs> um, is it Nico Parker? I think it's Nico Parker. That sounds right. Oh, yeah. Nico Parker. Sure. <laughs> Totally. I'll go with that. I think I nailed that, honestly. Anyway, moving on. I think I nailed that. Let's cut this oh. whole part out of the final cut. Wait, so yeah, wait. Yeah, where do we yeah. go? Like, well, how do we yeah. get back to the book? Like, what? I don't know how we got to this well, point. Maybe we oh, should, how did maybe you Maybe we should wrap across? it up, right? I mean, Thomas, you why, don't you, oh, wait. why don't you say what the book did for you, right? Oh, what it did? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's the feeling you guys were saying. It's the same thing. I had experienced the same thing. It's like this... Uh, it's like reading a religious text. You just feel, you feel like you're getting closer to the truth. You feel your soul opening up. You feel truth coming in the light, the warmth, the sexy song. Well, I think it's essential in. reading for artists, right? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It, Cause it was always What's like a better book for you, Kristen. You probably read more about that. An essential reading for like, artists, like a, an essential read for artists. I would agree. Yeah. I'm saying, this do you have a, a way better for book? an artist to oh, be a better yeah. book for that? Um, I don't know. I guess I I really liked memories, dreams, and what is that one by Young? It's right there on the shelf. Archetypes, right? the Young. Yeah, his autobiography. Yeah, memories. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tom's a big dreams young and reflections. Head. I really loved that. Mostly because it one. opened up with Mythologies his... by Roland Barthes. Oh, yeah, that's Rory's. So, Mythologies wait, by Roland Barthes. His stories of being a kid, are you talking about? Oh. Yeah, his Jesus fear I really connected with. So I that's just yeah. more of a I personal I love all his thing. dreams, too. Who's his that? young baby dreams. Young dreams? Mm-hmm. Young's young yeah, when dreams. he's like a kid. He's literally, it's so epic. Like, his life is so, he's like a knight in shining armor. Like, his early dreams were like him going through this hole in the ground and then he would underneath the ground he finds like phallic throne uh, yeah phallic throne but then it's like he finds like medieval stuff he finds knights in shining armor and then he goes deeper he finds another hole and he goes deeper and then he finds like uh like old ancient like nordic tribes and stuff and then he goes deeper and then he finds like primal man yeah it's wild so it's like he had this like so early prophetic dream of what his career would uh, enlighten his recollection of those things is amazing too and also the part where he 
talks about the weird like phenomena that him and his mom like the table splitting in half this like oak table and him and yeah, his mother of, were both witness to it just splitting and he talks about like coincidence in a really inspiring way um but i actually i will say something interesting about that in a like more um like intj kind of way uh he, jung in that book he tells about a spooky he met freud or they like they were like friends for yeah. a moment and then they were meeting in his apartment and Jung is talking to him and they're debating like the, the reality of uh, like synchronicities and sort of psychic ability. And Jung is like, on the count of three, a sound will ring. And he like stands up or something. And then a sound does like pound out from the ceiling or actually, sorry, a sound thuds. And then Jung says, that sound will come again on the count of three. And then the sound happens again. And that's all Jung says in the autobiography. He tells you that story and he leaves it. But he's writing this story up into the autobiography up until he dies. Yeah. That- in the editor's notes of the autobiography, they include a letter that Freud or yeah, Freud wrote to Jung. Then Jung doesn't discuss this at all. It pretends it didn't happen. Freud writes to Jung and says, Hey Jung, I'm I'm still thinking about that crazy thud thing that happened. I had my maid inspect the house. There is a physical problem with one of the cabinets upstairs, and it is occasionally making that oh, sound. So that Freud wasn't magic. Him. What a but bummer! It's just funny that they, Jung. It's so it's so Jung of Carl to not bring up that Freud said that. You know. But didn't they have a falling out, like a huge falling out after he? They did. Yeah. They did. But so I think there's anger there. But I I actually think that. Is it Jung? I never pronounce it that way. I always say Jung. But Jung. It's Jung. Okay, Jung. It's like Swedish Jung. He has a really cool quote in there too that I feel like relates to Nietzsche's ideas of the universality a little bit. Like I'm standing or I'm sitting on like a rock and the rock is sitting on the ground. and Therefore, like I'm sitting on the hill that is the rock. Like he's saying like I am the rock because of like but in a, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not paraphrasing. Yeah, that's like a very that. Uh, way, but it's no, a no, no. That makes sense. The quote. Ginsburg. Have you seen that Ginsburg poem that he recites on um, uh, William? What's his the Republican guy from the '70s show? Who cares? Uh, but Shake. Uh, Gins, Ginsburg has a poem where he's like, "I'm sitting on the mountain top, sweat dew dripping from trembling beard, goats." falling like he's just like it's a poem about how he is the hill and the sheep and the wind and the dew and totally ripped we are from all one hallelujah well it's just it's such a yeah primal basic. yeah all right so i mean let's get back let's get probably, back to the fucking sauce well <laughs> maybe we're out of sauce because maybe we should well no i have a lot of quotes and stuff written down that we can go through if we're if we're toasted uh what I do you got i feel sauce but i'm yeah. down well, i just feel like here's I an interesting like, here's well, an interesting you want to keep it organized like yeah yeah yeah. can you give us so any is, sort of intro that's like organized you're gonna cut some stuff out yeah so this book i don't know if we haven't really <laughs> talked about it a lot but uh it was heavily inspired by nietzsche reading schopenhauer's will of uh will is idea and representation or something like that and yeah. so during the book, when Nietzsche's, it feels like Nietzsche's like out of steam. He just kind of goes like, 
and take it away, Schopenhauer. And there's just like a huge quote from Schopenhauer. Um, I wonder if, should we like talk about one of those? I never read that Schopenhauer, but what's the quote? Oh, no, no, he the talk about the quotes. What's it? What's like, give us an intro. Like, let us don't just jump into the quote. Like, what are you what are you getting at? Oh, okay. So this is where Nietzsche is talking about the essence of song. What is the essence of song? What makes a song really great? Wait, no, we're going to end the pod. I don't think we should do this. We're like an hour and <laughs> no, a half in. Come on. It's inter- I, I, let me sum- I'm not going to read the quote, but I'll sum it up. Schopenhauer says that what makes a great song is the music is an expression of a will, a willless it's a willless perspective. So you, in, in the song, you have a willless perspective that uh, sort of dives in and out and mingles with moods of desire and recollection of personal, uh, you know, errors or life shit. And so the essence of a great song is the music phases in and out of a willless perspective, almost like godlike, to a human one. And that creates a sort of like dizzying... Um, uh, it's like your floating feeling because you're going from this human to this sort of willless, almost you know detached perspective, and that's the essence of like a truly great song. But subconsciously, can we really negate our will to get into that? Like, how just, can we yeah, really it just be sort willless? Of, it's just a feeling of willlessness, which is like to say objectivity or something. Okay. Like you're not, you're no longer. Uh, you have a sort of divine detachment. Divine detachment. In a sort of, I just think about Dylan when I That's when I cool read that idea. quote. I was like, Dylan writes heavily in that mode of like he's very sardonic and detached, and then he'll get really attached for like beats, and then go back to being detached. It sort of has that phasing in and out quality. Andy, do you think you um, use divine detachment creatively? I've tuned out all of this. Fuck. It's um, divine. What? Fuck. Coming in and out. I think Should we just I mean, move on? if I have a problem in a song, it's because I'm not being, I'm being too conscious. I'm like, I'm, my hands are too sweaty and oily. Well, I think that's. Yeah, this is reason. less about writing and more about. Um, well, I feel like listening. we're just rambling here, dude. We're just going to like random point to random point now. I was going to well, connect it back to why I liked the book. Yeah, okay. Well, Damn. go ahead. If we're just rambling. What? We can't. <laughs> what? Being a jerk. This has to be listenable. We're just Andrew's like, being uh, a well, it's, it's jerk. totally unlistenable. Well, we got, we got this. Uh, I had this random quote about songs. Like, we're not talking well, about the book I was just trying anymore. to bring it back to the book. I think we were people talking are going to listen shit. to it just for the conflict at this point. We just, ri- we just listened hilarious. to a natural... And we had a natural, we came to a natural like, all right, well. I know, but I feel like we left, we, we didn't talk well, about I got so five much more this book has. This book has so much to offer. I feel like we didn't touch it. We're not going to do a two hour pod. I feel like we literally just said Dionysic, Apollonia, and then that was it. Yeah, because you've been fucking flapping your gums for the last, like, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, I've talked the least. Let's get real. I should have talked less. No, you're the guest. I mean. I feel like we talked an equal amount, honestly. But as far as the clerical organizational shit, it just has to feel like 
okay, they're in this part of it now, and they're in this part, and what it's... Oh, wait, can I say something kind of funny? I sound something kind of funny. <laughs> Great, yeah. Uh, so during this book, like, Nietzsche is talking up, because we, at this time, we did not know what Greek music sounded like. Nietzsche's, like, talking up, oh, my God, like, I can only imagine what it must have been like to hear this crazy music, because he's like, comparing it to Wagner, with the music he has at the time. And he's like, I bet Wagner sounds so much like Greek music in terms of its like intensity. And like the only music we have that is from Greek times is just like ding, 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 ding. Well, no, it's not. It's just like it's not singing. It's like a guitar. It's like pussy. It's pussy vibes. It's not like epic. There's no like Wagner esque, Beethoven esque like oomph to it. And so it's funny that. We don't have ever. It's like this is. Me. We don't have sing. This we is the whale sing- biology of Moby Dick. We he don't. got this part completely wrong. We don't have the singing notated. We just have the guitar. No, we have singing notated. We don't. Yeah, we do. All right, that's the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I I double checked to make sure about this, and I listened to it, and it's just like oh, like it's not. It's not cool. It's not epic. Is that an exact quote? The, po- the point I'm making is true. This is his whale of this is his whale biology of Moby Dick. Whale this biology, is the shit the he whale got biology wrong. definitely for me is towards the end, which I think you read in the foreword or, or something is like he took the, he wanted this completely destroyed, and you kind of understand at that point because it's it's no <laughs> well, more it's, yeah, because he's he no immediately bounding him on upon like. Interesting ideas. It's more of like this historical, like, well, and then the Greeks did this, and they got into science, and now they care about that. And his uh, rhetorical powers are so shitty. Sometimes he'll just be like, he'll say, uh, like, Euripides wanted to remove the Dianzaic from tragedy. And he'll just say, to like make that point, he'll just say, and that's clear as day. Okay. He won't like prove his point. He'll just be like, and that's clear as day. You'd have to be a fucking idiot to think otherwise. I'm gonna put this, um, Kristen. You got something? Um, I don't know if I have anything uh, else. To okay, add. I just gotta put. But this I will. I will say he did. Um, he turned on this book because, for the readers to understand, uh, this this is his first book, and the second he writes another book, he has devalued art significantly, and uh, he takes art off of its. Uh, pillar of greatness in the next book he says in the next book uh art is the blossom of civilization but no nearer to the root of the world than its stem it's imitation yeah it is a beautiful error well that gives life meaning but it's not truth let's not get into that but it's just an interesting aside is that this is his first book and he puts art on like the top of the chalice like the highest thing and then immediately Throws it off. Yeah, because he got he, he probably because he got older. I don't know. It could also be projection of his he falls out of friendship with Wagner. So it could be projection of that anger. True. Who knows? Well, all right. So what are we gonna rate this book out of a thousand? We gotta we're, fr- we're finishing up. We're only like an hour twenty in. I'm just running out of steam. Okay, wait, this is one thing I wanna say. I guess I'll say this in my review. Sorry, go ahead, review it. Um, I would give this like uh, see, like it's not going to be completely life changing, but it is like a nice. I mean, it could be life changing. It's like a 
nice nitrous into your creative like race car for me and i do think the ending is like definitely it you can sense it's running out of steam um yeah there's definitely better parts but it's very good so give it 850 out of a thousand oh yeah out of a thousand okay um i guess i don't think i've read it front to back like the full thing through Whoa. ever um well that's but i've got case of wagner in it i didn't yeah read that but i've i mean i've bookmarked like the whole book i've just read in different chunks and all over the place i don't know forgetting a lot of it to be honest i'm gonna give it a f- 600 holy shit because i wow. i mostly this with this i i mostly just like to pick out nice fragments and sections that like I, I think it has a lot of different inspiration for different types of artists and readers and you know like you can kind of collage that together to like giving it a 600 because you. you haven't fully read it is that what you're saying um a little bit well no no Maybe we can we disregard strike, case of wagner we can strike, uh, you could excuse strike me her, we can disregard. strike her rating from the from the record she hasn't even read yeah, the book strike the rating from I the have, board though i mean like i've i have it highlighted in sections of the last page well, but actually i'm saying Kristen, over the period we, of time it's it's a stretch to say it was in one oh, you've oh, read reading. if you so she's gone across the, the globe book. but it took several years yeah very broken right. reading right. oh like i started in the back i will say that always makes front. it you don't like it as much yeah like if you I watch a movie that. and you look have, at your phone once you'll like it less yeah. Yeah. No, I re I reread this book recently and reading you reading it sitting down and trying to like binge it is is way better because the things will the nodes will like create a sort of like chemical pattern and it'll be like Yeah, you have to get in tune with the language of it. And I I did do a binge of the first half of the book the second time around and then I was jumping around all over when I was using it in my paper. But I mean, maybe that is a low rating. A low I can score, I can go I can go seven. Seven hundred. I just okay. it's just not one of those that like I don't know. I've been comparing it to a world of books. Seven hundred out of a thousand. Can you say that? Seven hundred out of a thousand. I mean, well, let's think of it on a, on a bell curve. If five hundred is did not want to say that books, at all. Uh, five hundred is most books. Five hundred is, really is most only a books. Seven hundred. Like, what would you rate Dune? If we're if we're doing a bell curve, five hundred is most books. Five hundred is most books. Okay. And then as you get to the end, like a bell curve, progressively more and more rare to find. Kristen's read a lot of books. Kristen, I'll say, probably more books than I have, ten times the amount. But they're all vastly different, and I don't know philosophy. Give us a little juicy category. Give us a juicy context. I don't know. Like, what is a nine fifty for you? Give us a nine fifty. Nine fifty. This is interesting. Maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe two six 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 Bologna. Um, what is that? It's this crazy like five Jeez. book made into one book novel that was published posthumously by Roberto Bologna. Um, yeah, it has the title of like a like non published like what's it called book you'd find in an it's alleyway. That one on the shelf. Two six six six. Okay. Um, Fiction. So good. And I first came across 
across his writing, finding the Unknown University, which is a collection of his poetry. Found uh, found that on the street, and then I found the novel, or like I read the novel after that. So I don't know. I think I'm biased in my ratings too by like how I come. Well, that's to a find that's works. a fiction. Can we? Uh, do you have like and a non-fiction? Yeah, a non-fiction nine fifty. Oh God! I mean, it would probably. <laughs> I I wouldn't give this a nine fifty, but this is like this is definitely up there. I think I gave it too low of mm. a rating maybe because I'm also sauced and so feeling gonna, cynical after talking. You're going to boost oh, it? No. You're going to boost it again? <laughs> but I don't it. know. Like maybe the 950 doesn't exist. Well, I'm trying what, to what think of... No, it has to exist. It's Kristen's favorite book, isn't it? Uh, you know, a thousand is Kristen's favorite book by the time she dies. Why did you keep saying so 950 what's a 950 then? 950. Because I wanted it not... Because a thousand know, is a very hard answer. Books. A lot of oh. the books I've read, I've half read, which is problematic. So it sounds like you don't like Rotten nonfiction hell. that much. Yeah, nonfiction I, I like, but I I feel like I use it in a different way, that it's like not meant to be absorbed in the way I do, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because, mm. yeah. I mean, I do, the reason <laughs> I like this so much and like Nietzsche in general, aside from ones maybe like genealogy or like his poetic devices like the oh. his language his style of writing yeah. and the subjects Beautiful. he's writing about but the way he's writing about them is always super inspiring to me because i so you've you said it you would like this book so much but you gave it a 750 i know I'm it's bad just at so ratings, low it's really, just really it. just give it a little boost uh, eight fifty. Eight fifty. That's a lot. You give it like fifty. That's like a eight fifty because that's good now that's like a B I, plus. About right? like my world of books. I'm. I was reading it in the world of books, not my world of books. Oh. Oh. So, Kristen, you oh. rate this book? Rate the book on how well you think it achieved what it wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, that's actually that's actually. Well, the, it's not what Kristen's favorite. Well, self criticism makes me like. Wait, no, it's not Kristen's favorite. I just want to strike that for the record. Our rating system well, is. Nietzsche's, excuse me. Our rating system is based oh. on. What the book was trying to do, does it do it? 850. 850, guys. Wow. Sound I think effect. his attempt wow. at attempts at self-criticism actually give it a higher rating because it like adds to the comedy of like what he's trying to do is like an, yeah. an impossible feat of you know, he's he's just biting off way more than he can chew, but he's like ambitious as fuck. And really, well, like, it also finds out a lot about his that. own ideas, I think, and just like yeah, it informs his other writing. I think it's just like for a first book. I mean, come on, it's like Launch the humility pad. of it because yeah, you read it. I, at least I read it, and I was like, a lot of this, like he's making a lot of logical jumps and just kind of saying shit, and you're just kind of like, you're like, is am I failing to see the logic here, or is he failing to write it down? And then when you read the self-criticism you go like oh okay so he admits like it's a little bit poetic it's not like yeah i like the innocence of it stuff yeah it seems like a very impassioned young person just kind of like shouting at the mountaintop a lot of it which in a perfect uh artistic way as nietzsche would say it's there's it's it is error itself but not in a bad way it is liberating for the reader yeah i should add Okay, so I don't like to have the same score as someone else, so I'm going to say 855. <laughs> Boost it, five points. 
Posted. I'll say 825. We got another thing going Ooh, here. Books Brothers. She's bringing it down, too. The Books Boost. Wait, what? 825. You brought her score you down. You brought it down. Holy shit. All right, so what do we call that? <laughs> the scores are fucking moving like ants right now. Is that a boost? A What's the opposite of a boost? A bleed? We got to freeze gotta, these scores. We can't keep no, we got. All right, well, it's over. It's done now, so we got a, a lot of boosting and bleeding. Ice. We call it a point bleed. Well, there's, they're not points. Blood a little bit. Paper cut. Uh, I like would give 15. this book... Um, I would give this book, in terms of what he's trying to do, which I think is it, it's a horrible... He's making horrible errors, and it's all messy <laughs> and fucked up. But I think as a sort of beautiful representation of the point he's trying to make, that is appropriate. So I would say... Um, it's a 900 for me. Wow. Whoa. What did you rate the other books? And I'm all, uh, what? We don't have those numbers on hand. What did you rate Moby Dick? A Moby thousand? Dick was like a nine. It was like a 950 or 970. 950. We docked off for the whale biology, which is kind of like a overarching. You haven't read it, so you would know what we're talking about. Fine. <laughs> but, uh, but to summarize, <laughs> Nietzsche is... When I think of Shots Nietzsche, fired. I think of... <laughs> I think of seeing like a sort of a ravenous, crazy man at the corner of the street and he's singing in a sort of like horny way <laughs> to himself. And it's he's like singing too fast and he's not paying attention to the beauty of it, but he's feeling it like he's really feeling it. Wow. And it's kind of inspiring in a way. <laughs> okay. And he's a thousand percent right, but he's just a little kooky, you yeah, know, for sure. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think we should review the Bible. I think that should be the next one. The, the Bible. You keep saying that. I disagree. The Bible. King Charles or it's, James. I would, oh I would have been God. down for it, but... Can I take over for I Book of Job? I did a whole puppet show on that in school. Well, actually, got me an a. if we, if we can make it... Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. Like, this book is, what, 100 pages, and we rambled and scrambled for an hour and a half and barely covered it. So how are we, we going to do this? You should probably do like a profit mini series. We adequately Which, covered the book. I don't think we did, but the Bible, <laughs> if we were to do the Bible, it would have to be like a 10 hour podcast. I think you should read the John Milton. I'll say, I don't think we, um, John Milton, we, we didn't up? say a lot of exciting ideas that are in oh, this it. book, but if you're Paradise listening, lost. if you're listening and you liked what, no way, wrong one. Yeah. It is a separate conversation. Sorry. Um, if you liked what we were talking about, some of the ideas we had in this shit, um, definitely check this book out. There's a lot of quotes that maybe you would you would come across and and you would find personally like very um, fulfilling or reju uh, rejuvenating. I don't know how you rejuvenating. Rejuvenating. Um, yeah, but so long. That's it. All right. Wait, uh, thank you. Thank you, Kristen, for joining thank us. Thank you, Kristen, um, our penultimate. First guest. First guest of the Books first Brothers. First guest on the wow, Books Brothers podcast. We'll do first podcast. So Clap drop. This was terrifying, but it was fun. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. So that's, <laughs> we just want to say our scores one time, more time. So I get, Wait, why? No, we don't need to do that. All right. Whoa. <laughs> That was such a horrible way to end it. Can we get a clean out? Kristen, can you 
Send us out. Uh, yeah, I'll just plug the complete poetry of John Milton. Um, suggested reading for Bugs Brothers. It's kind of annoying, but books, books pals. The, bu- the books are annoying, or are you saying that is annoying? What do you mean? Both. I mean, it's just it's dense, but the books are annoying. Oh, it's a lot of poetry. We should we should it's an um, epic. have a name for like our books brothers? Because we're already books brothers. What do you mean? Books pals. It, no, it's books babies. Signing books, off oh, it from is, it's books babies. Book sister. I'm the book baby. Well, she's you know because you're a guest. You're a books buddy. Oh, books buddy. Or books pal. Ah, yeah. Okay, books yeah. buddy or pal. Books pal. Books buddy. Bud. It's got to be buddy. And then people that are fans are books babies, <laughs> and book they can bitch. join. They can join the pal or so the. So you buddy, just leveled up, Kristen. Okay. Well, she never listened to the podcast. How do I get to book bitch? <laughs> Not really a baby. <laughs> never was a baby. You went in straight into the book pal, which is kind of epic. Wow. We book buddy for that as well. Thank you guys. Thanks All right. so much. All right. At peak. All right. Nice to meet you, Tom. Tommy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. All right. That's a wrap.